that. It's a first fruit offering day. When you give the Lord the first, the first, he said that he would bless the rest of the lump. And that includes your worship. It includes your love that you give out to other people. The first. So, Father, we remember you this day, and we offer our sacrifice of praise as a first fruits offering. We are thankful and grateful for everything that you have blessed us with, oh God. We thank you, Father God, for the movement of your spirit in our lives. We thank you, Father, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And, Father, we thank you again, Father. And so we give of ourselves to you. We give of our time. We give of our finances. We give of our love. We give of our outpouring of our spirit to your spirit, God, as a first fruits offering of God. We hold nothing back, for you have gave everything. You gave us this life that we now have, the life that we are blessed with, the divine health that we walk in, oh God, the salvation of our prodigals coming home, God. Father, everything, you have gave us a nation, one nation under you, Father. And we hold that nation up to you today. And we say, Father, remove those evil things that are holding us captive. Let them be removed, Father God, the evil that is drowning and causing such a bottleneck and such a heavy burden on your people. That we may come and worship you, O Lord God with the freedom of our hearts and a thanksgiving, O oh God. And that's what first fruits are, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what's taking place around us. We say we honor you, Lord. We say we bless you, O oh Lord. We say we give you everything that we have. And so we open our hands. We open our hands and worship to you. We give you our song. We give you our song of love, Lord. We give you everything. The first of our lives. We give you everything. Because of your great love. Because of your great love. We stand here because of your great love. Because of your great love, we enter the holy place and worship and adoration unto you, O
the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And so we say to ourselves, the Lord is our inheritance. Therefore, our hope is in Him. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men will seek his face. There's a scripture that we're all familiar with. 23rd Psalm. I'd like to read this this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In, the, in this book, it says that there is a river that flows from the throne of God. Someday, we're all going to be gathered around that river. Just like that old song says, shall we gather at the river?
are the light and you are the salt of the earth. I have clothed you in power and authority for I am the Lord of hosts, the commander and I am dressed for battle. Go in all my power and authority. Be careful to do all I show you. Be bold and courageous for I am is with you to watch over my word, to perform it. So let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy.
hearing a word from the Lord or a scripture or a prayer, please step up to the microphone and, and give it. Now we know in part and we prophesy in part when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, we see in the mirror dimly. But then, praise God, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been, I have been fully known. But now... Lord God, you've given us faith, hope, love. So let us abide in these three. <clears throat> the greatest of these is love. It says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gift, but especially that you may prophesy. And I just thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the things you've given to men, mm-hmm. the things that you've given to men to draw us closer and closer and closer to you. Fill us, Father God. Fill us with knowledge of you. I know it says now we know in part, but I ask that you would give us glimpses in our day-to-day walk, glimpses when we're in our prayer closet, glimpses here in this time of worship, Father God. Every time we're together, give us little glimpses of your glory. However you may manifest as I thought, God, we, re- we receive it when we get it. And we praise you and thank you, Father, for all that we have available in Christ Jesus. Strengthen our hearts. Encourage us. Um, fill us, O oh God. Fill us to the brim, Lord, with your wisdom, knowledge, and your spirit as we walk through these dark times. We love you, Lord, and we give you glory. Mm-hmm. All you are. Amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
appear in the word alliances, alliances, and it came with a, a warning, just being careful with whom you align. Lord, Father, I just thank you so much for wisdom, for insight, and Lord, we continue to ask for your wisdom. Thank you for navigating us through these times that in which we live, for empowering us with your power, with your authority, to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your mouthpiece. Father, I ask you for the winds of the Spirit to blow across our land. That the blind may see, that the deaf may hear, and the lame may walk. If anybody else is hearing anything, please, please bring it forth. When you said the word alliance, it reminded me of a word that the Lord gave me on December the 28th, and it was talking about alliance. And I wrote, you are my true alliance. Jesus puts alliance to his blood above alliance to family blood. Keep doing what is right in God's eyes. Stop worrying. Don't be afraid of the unhealthy fallout of unhealthy people who are challenged by your healthy decisions. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah. As we all know, Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So in these uh, troubling days and dark days, let's just remember that. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. We're blessed in so many ways in the days in which we live. But I was thinking specifically because we have the written scriptures for us that many before us didn't have or didn't have access to. We have the Holy Spirit for all those who would receive Him, be baptized in power, the Spirit of God, fully equipped. Is anybody just enjoying life? Are you just enjoying life right now? Uh, four of you? Good. <laughs> Amen. Does anybody, we have time for a couple, if you have a short testimony um, you would like to share with the group. 
Okay, well, don't rush the microphones all at once. Let's do this orderly. Anybody? You know, the Lord can use us at any time, in any way. I think we always need to be alert and aware. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at um, Walmart the other day, checking out, and the Lord touched my heart and told me to turn around. And I turned around, and the person, not behind me, but the next one behind me, that gentleman was having trouble. And I prayed for him, and but the Lord told me I needed to do more. So um, I walked back there, and I don't know if it was sister or girlfriend or wife or who, but um, you could tell they were having problems. She was being very lighthearted about it. I offered to help walk him over to sit down on a bench, and I did. It was very slow, and um, he definitely was having some issues. Um, what I would say was probably having um, little TIAs or little small strokes because he would talk fine, and then all of a sudden he wouldn't talk fine. And um, my I was already checked out, and so I left my cart there with him and my purse and everything. Now, that was a God thing right there because he said, don't worry, I've, I'll take care of it. So I went, and I ch- helped them check out their groceries. She sat there with him. And she handed me their debit card. We did all of that. And um, I asked for a wheelchair for them. They didn't have one at Walmart. Anyway, they couldn't find it. So they slowly um, made their way to the car with the grocery cart. And the reason I know that is the Lord touched my heart again to look for them in the parking lot. And sure enough, there they walked. You know, I could have just ignored it and closed my eyes. But you know what? The Lord touched my heart. And again, I think that there are things that he brings to our heart and brings to our minds, things that he asks for us to do. They'll never know that I prayed over them and that I went into the throne room and asked God to be with them. Mm-hmm. But the long and the short of it is is they left whole. And But again, I'm just grateful that the Lord let little old Pam help. <laughs> Amen. So, That's right. And Amen. Again, you know, we've talked about this many times on Wednesday nights and on Sundays that we have to listen because it's not going to be the same for each and everything. Just like Jesus. Jesus didn't do things the same way. He put mud in a guy's eyes. They lowered somebody from the ceiling. You know, somebody touched the hem of his garment. It just all works different. And we just have to be ready. We can't keep ourselves in that box. We have to step out and do those things as he so shows. Amen. Good, good, good. Anybody else? You're going to share something, Sandy? You're going to the bathroom. Okay. I just never know. This microphone's really lonely up here. That's okay. I like it better back here. Uh, I just wanted to share a testimony about my daughter, Dana. She continues to do better and better all the time. And uh, this morning, I always, being the mom that I am, uh, I try not to hug her. She doesn't let me. Uh, 
I checked with her this morning to see how she was because we had uh, my granddaughter's, her 16th birthday is today. We're going to dinner tonight, but we had a big get-together yesterday. And I asked Dana if she wanted help. No, because she has her 21-year-old that moved back home. And uh, her husband, who knows how much they did because Dana's the type that likes to do everything that she can. And I offered help. It wasn't needed. So uh, this morning when I asked her how she was after the busy time and busy day and long evening, she said, I'm doing good and I just, I'm taking a shower and going to church this morning. Yesterday she didn't think she'd be able to go to church uh, today after her busy time and before that, preparing and going and buying food and gifts and doing things. Uh, so I'm just so grateful to God and to prayers uh, that have been, I know, gone up for Dana and just wanted to share that good news. Amen. Amen. That's great. Okay, good. See, when you walk up to the front, I know what you're doing. You go to the back, I don't know if you're going to get a donut, go to the bathroom, whatever. Well, first of all, go Chiefs, so that was really well, so I gotta do that. Yeah. Amen. Um, so this kind of goes back to this summer, but my, I have an older brother and older sister, and my mom had a stroke in April, and um, there was a rift between our my siblings and me, um, just where my brother didn't like how things were progressing with my mom and anyway we've had little to no communication with my brother since the first of August and anybody that knows me and my family we're very very close and um, so Scott and I have really been praying for my brother for healing healing just for communication and come around and Monday, this past Monday, my brother just checked Scott and I out of the blue and said, we have a mutual friend here in Kansas City that's 92, and um, we we grew up with this family uh, as a, a young family in West Texas and, and uh, through Kansas City. Anyway, he uh, reached out to my brother and said happy birthday to him, and I said, Ed, you ought to come to Kansas City. You've got a bedroom and our door is always open and that's really the only communication I've had with my brother. And my brother shows up t- uh, Tuesday at our house and it was just a um, it was a real blessing mm. and just healing for my heart, I think for Scott and for Ed. And he left and drove to Mississippi to see my mom and my sister. Mm. Um, and so healing took place there. And so that's just prayer. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. So, Amen. yeah, because I've missed my brother and we're big FaceTime people. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Amen. All right. If those of you that might have had something, you wait, it's too late. Oh, you're coming? I'm taking a turn. All right. You stick me back in that box. <laughs> um, hopefully there's no feedback, Mark. Are you on call? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll stand back away from it. Um, I just want to say thank you um, to you guys. This transition from Cherie kind of handing off the, the torch to me has been a little bit 
shaky for me. I don't like jumping in on new things very well sometimes. So, um, and that managing that in the sound booth and every little whim that Joe has. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, it's gone. Now you're going to get feedback. It's gone extremely <laughs> well. And I apologize. There's a few of you left that I'm still struggling with names still, but um, I just want to thank you guys. And the other thing I wanted to say was, um, you know, sometimes when the Lord calls you to do something new, it's that weird feeling of, I am not feeling adequate. Like, I don't feel like I have the tools that God needs for me to use for this job. But the cool thing is that he just meets you where you are. And he has already given you all those things. You just have to tap into him and get closer to him and be like, okay, I just can't do this on my own. Um, But that's the koinonia that Joe has been talking about, of just that place of being closer to him and really depending on him and relying on him in a way that we don't typically let ourselves do that with other people. So I just want to encourage you guys that he will meet you where you are. And that's why I put up the little... The picture this morning, I felt like that was God's hand reaching down to meet us, like a child. You know, sometimes we feel that way. Um, anyway, so just to encourage you guys, thank you. <laughs> Love you all. Thanks, Sarah. You're doing a great job, too, by the way. Just don't expect another compliment, at least today. <laughs> Well, I'm taking requests. Oh, you're, you got something? All right. No, go ahead. Um, I just felt impressed to say thank you to God because I am surrounded in my personal life with people who are willing to receive life-giving correction. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the scripture in Proverbs 15:31. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. And I've been thinking about that a lot this week because I'm a teacher and tools is what I teach. And so how would I teach that as a tool? Um, if you're willing to receive life-giving correction, your character will be transformed. Mm-hmm. There will be a change. I am so grateful for the people that I have in my personal life who are so willing to heed life-giving correction. Um, so I was thinking life-giving correction is, see I wrote some things down this morning, um, brings about character transformation. The opposite of life-giving correction is self-serving correction. And if we heed life-giving correction, our character will be transformed. If we heed self-serving correction, then we're going to be accommodating that person, and the one making a self-serving correction gets what they want, and no character is transformed. So what I am so grateful for in my testimony is today how many people I see in my personal life who are willing to heed. And I'm going to do a shout out to my husband because he hasn't always been willing and he is so willing and I see God doing such dramatic work in his character 
he has always been a good man, but he is turning into a great man. Amen. And that is my testimony. Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> but it came. <laughs> um, you know, there's obviously, this is a very kingdom-oriented um, group here, body, but uh, there's a strong emphasis on the, the political um, mountain, and uh, and I, I appreciate that. That is one of the reasons we connected. My wife and I, Cheryl, connected to this fellowship. And I have a, a strong calling in the marketplace as a former CEO of a large construction company here. Uh, I now coach in a network of 150 businesses here in Kansas City that are kingdom-minded businesses like Jack Stack Barbecue or Bordner Home Improvement and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. And uh, so I have a dozen of those executives, owners that I coach in this network, but then as a, as a CPA and a former CFO as well, I also have a dozen clients that I coach uh, helping their staff, their accounting and the financial staff. So I've got the dozen over here that are, that are definitely hardcore believers and bringing the kingdom into the marketplace, and I've got a dozen over here that hmm, maybe not so much. They're not all believers. And I had one of those CFO clients who went to a meeting with several businesses this week in Lee Summit, and unbeknownst to him, he, there were, and me as well, there were a couple of my uh, kingdom businesses sitting there. And, and he just came into this place, and as they were sharing some things about their business and growing their business and so on, he started talking about this guy who is, you know, just bringing a different perspective, and it's the seeds that are just being planted into his heart um, and, and his, his uh, leadership, his senior leadership team, and it was just, it was so great to see how God can use us in the, in the marketplace, that here's one person, you know, I'm sowing seeds into this guy, and yet he shows up in a different place, and they were uh, confirming these things and helping him uh, as his progression as I'm praying that he would come to Christ, he and his company. But then this, so that was one thing that happened this past week, but also uh, there's a group of us from the marketplace, and we gather once a month, it's the second Saturday of every month, down in Westport, and we are praying and prophesying and, inter- and intercession for the marketplace. And uh, it just so happens that one of the the men who comes to that regularly, he brought these 12 young entrepreneurs there, and we prayed over them, and we anointed them with oil, and we we commissioned them uh, specifically from Psalm 90. I think it's verse 17. The psalm is written by Solomon, and where he says, "Confirm the work of my hands." Yes, confirm the work of my hands. And as we we prayed this. The Holy Spirit just showed up in a in a powerful way of giving these young warriors, these young captains, and of the kingdom uh, in the marketplace, uh, just vision and confidence and boldness to go out and to endeavor to do great exploits in the name of our God. So I just, 
you know, sometimes we, we especially because there's an emphasis here in the political spectrum, we come in and we talk about where we're, we lost this election or we're losing in this legislation or whatever, and, and I get it. We're battling hard there. But in the marketplace, some extraordinary things are happening uh, in the marketplace of Kansas City, in the heart of America here. And just, just I'll just add to that that in 1967, at that time, Billy Graham had his largest crusade ever here in Kansas City over several days. And there were hundreds of thousands of people that came to that. And at the end of that, he said that he felt like that Kansas City and the Midwest, the heart of America, was uniquely positioned to bring a great revival to uh, the United States. To There was something unique about the personality of the body of Christ here in, in our community that was going to help bring restoration uh, in, our, in our nation. So that was in 1967. And then about 30 years later, in 1995, Billy Graham felt again, the Lord spoke to him, that the marketplace was going to be the place where God was going to do a great outpouring of restoration in our nation. So, you know, just connecting those two dots, in 67, he, he felt it was going to be the, the Midwest, the heart of America, that God was going to sovereignly use. And then 30 years later, he heard from the Lord that it's, it's going to be the marketplace as well. He wasn't specifically addressing the marketplace of Kansas City, but if you just connect those two dots, and we see the fulfillment of that happening. And it was 100 years ago this year, in, in 1923, when over 50,000 um, business leaders from the marketplace of Kansas City gathered downtown to mark the marketplace for Christ. It's the largest gathering of its kind in the history of the United States. And it was on November 11th, 1923. Well, so the centennial of that will be November 11th of this year, which is Veterans Day. And I just love it that somehow God sovereignly uh, orchestrated this, that on a, on a Saturday, uh, on Veterans Day, there's going to be veterans of the kingdom gathered Amen. together to, again, uh, celebrate and, and uh, commemorate this, this milestone event in the history of our city. Amen. That's awesome. Excellent. Love it. Yeah. I would love for you, Scott, for on occasion, wherever you feel, just to give updates like that from the marketplace. That's so good, so valuable. And we need to know, you know, in all of these uh, sectors and mountains of society, you know, that you're involved in what, what's going on, what, what's actually happening, what are you seeing, what are you a part of. Um, it's, it's very valuable. Because every, you know, we're, we're at war in every sector, and politics is just one sector, the marketplace is one sector, but, you know, it it's, takes all of us being everywhere God wants us to be and activated in that place to accomplish His will and uh, to see some great things. So that's, that's just wonderful. I love it. Uh, excellent. Anybody else? Right on. Yeah, go to the bathroom first. <laughs> Hold that thought. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm trying to get him warmed up. There you go. So this has nothing to do with COVID. This has to do with getting my chest cut open two weeks ago. So back in 2009 is the year that I referred to as God moved my W. Now, how many of you have come through the charismatic training circles? 
What'd you say? Let me show you. How many of you come through the charismatic oh. training circles? Okay, so hours and hours and hours and years and years and years and years of training on the how. And in 2009, God said, this is the W, and I want you to move it from the end of the word to the front of the word. And when you move the W from how to the front of the word, you get the? Sounds like a bunch of owls in here. Who? And I did that. I started understanding, okay, who, who? And you know my, my beliefs about fellowship with the Father and the difference between relationship and fellowship. In late 2009, early 2010, I was really frustrated because I went to the Lord and said, okay, I'm on this who thing, but what about me? What about me? And that's not the narcissistic what about me. That is the what do you want me to do? Because one thing I've known for years and years and years, he has given me the gift of being an encourager. You even mentioned that once from up here. So I would submit that, no, you could not have ignored that, Pam, because that is part of the who. And what his answer to me, the reason that you are in the marketplace where you are, is that is part of the who. By the way, if you back in, I think, Joe, November, you recommended a book, The Spiritual History of Kansas City. If you've not got that and read it, read it. There's three things he referenced when he was talking, Scott referenced when he was talking, was in that book. And it's fascinating. So it's easy. It's on, if you don't mind dealing with Bezos, he's, it's on Amazon. And it's an easy read. But two weeks ago, I, tomorrow, I went in and I got my chest cut open. They made a turducken out of me. And they did a really nice surgery, and it took four, three nurses to hold me down coming in recovery because I wanted that tube out. But one of the things they have you do when you're in the hospital after you've had bypass surgery is they make you walk. That's not bad. I didn't have a problem walking. That wasn't a problem at all. But what happened was my surgery got pushed back because there was an emergency. And I recall there were three of us that were doing the laps around the hall. Like the, the staff there referred to it as the cardiac parade, okay? Because you have, you know, you have a nurse, or I had Tina, and they're pushing the pole and all that stuff. Um, but it, coming around the corner, this man who definitely looked older than me but wasn't was the guy who had the emergency. And Tina started telling me about him because she had talked to his family while they were all waiting for us to get cut open and come in get sewn up and come in recovery. Actually, they don't sew you. They use super glue. I want to know. I want to meet the doctor, the surgeon, who was at home working in his garage and got his fingers stuck together with super glue and said, hey, we can use this in the OR. <laughs> so, um, but walking around the corner with that man coming around the corner the other way, which we had to kind of all shrink up because of all the equipment, first thing came out of my mouth is don't you give up. I, wasn't, I didn't think I'm going to say something encouraging to this man. Because what God told me when I asked him, what about me? Where am I supposed to be? His answer to me was, just be. Just be. And that man, don't you give up. You keep going with the stuff. There was another guy walking the halls. I didn't get to encounter him. But what would you guess? He was maybe 40. He was a youngster. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was a youngster. And it got to the point he came by the door three times. I didn't get a chance to talk to him because every time he came by, there was a staff member talking to me. The guy pointed, he walked by, and I just point at him. I just point at him. The last time he came by, when I pointed at him, he pointed back at me and goes, <laughs> I didn't have to say a word. But I want to encourage you. you. You did not have a choice, Pam. I'm telling you, I know you. You did not have a choice. You don't have a choice, Scott. God's telling you, 
Move the W. Don't worry about it. I haven't heard have I have not heard you in the two and a half years we've been here do a how. It's all been the who. Hmm. No guess who, just the who. <laughs> I want to encourage you be in fellowship with the Father. He will turn you into what you're supposed to be, and then all you have to do is be. be. It ain't that hard. That we're back. Amen. That's awesome. Well, today, today's message is how to... I'm just kidding. <laughs> how to who? How to who, who? Uh, we're going to take a bathroom break since, you know, if you want to go. There's more downstairs because there might be a line now. Anybody else? Did you want to mention... Uh, you said you had something to mention, Lisa? Well, that's good, because time's up anyway. Let's move on. All of you know I love family and kids. So I want everybody to know about this book that just came out and an extraordinary thing that came out with this book. Please, if you have time today, and I know that you all do, anyone that has a phone, take a picture of this lady and look her up on Google. Because this lady is making known to all of mankind what is happening in our school districts. This book is, was written because of the um, Lee Summit School District, but it doesn't matter what school district you're in. It equals all our school districts. And, you know, we're talking about today how, um, you know, you want to hear what God is saying to you. All my life I've been pretty much a crusader. And I kind of drive my husband nuts with it because I just feel like I'm called to do it. And, you know, we are in the midst of a lot of darkness. And it's almost like a sick joke. It's so crazy. (laughs) I just think we need to just continue doing what God calls us to do, even if it feels like we're wasting our time. Mm -hmm. Because we're not wasting our time if, if we feel it coming from God. Just do what you're called to do and and now you're not wasting your time. So, Maureen, I'm not wasting my time, okay? <laughs> Amen. Good stuff. <clears throat> Good stuff. Thanks for coming today. Y'all have a good day. Hey, just to let you know, um, just FYI, we do have a celebration of life service scheduled for 2 p.m. here. So if you start seeing people that you normally don't see, that's kind of what's going on, just so, just so you know. It's not anybody from our congregation. It's an extended family member of mine that's been sick for a long time. So um, anyway, if you uh, have a Bible, um, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and... Um, I just want to mention a few things. There's three passages that I, I would like to highlight today. And uh, also for sake of time, just maybe that and, and a few other thoughts um, about the Sermon on the Mount. And early on, when I think we're going back to almost three months ago, when I started to, and this a message on the Sermon on the Mount has been kind of clumsy because we haven't really got there and it hasn't been orderly at all, which is fine with me because I, you know, I think we all really want whatever the Lord wants to do when we gather. That's the most important thing. 
Um, it's, it's sometimes it's a message, but sometimes it's not. It's other things that are happening when we gather, whether it be prayer, prophecy, or, or, or whatever, connection. But um, with this thought that kind of came to me, and I believe it was from the Lord, is since one of my main messages is ecclesia, and the other one is identity, which they both go hand in hand, obviously. And, and a lot of even what was said here today is part of identity. That who and that being and uh, what you feel like you're called to be is part of who, how God's created you. And to be comfortable with that. And, 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 and walk with the Lord in that, even though it, you've never maybe seen anybody else replicate that or it looks different. We have lots of uh, prophets from the Old Testament, right, that were very different. <laughs> they looked different, dressed different. John the Baptist, we had all kinds of, of different, and the Lord likes that. You know, if you just look around the room, there's different styles and different clothes and different hair. God likes that difference, and he networks everything together. And, and identity to me, when, you're, when you are settled with who God has created you to be, you're not fighting to become something that you already are. And it takes off a lot of stress, worry, doubt. When I, you know, and I think a lot of teenagers are like this, maybe even most, but when I was growing up, I never felt like I fit in anywhere. You know, I played sports and was involved in different things, but I never really felt comfortable. Does anybody identify with that wherever I was? And because of that, I was always looking for that place to fit, you know, uh, hairstyle. I was into rock music, so identifying with my rock music stars and, you know, black t-shirts and jeans and, you know, the way I, you know, long hair and just Trying to find, and, and a lot of, this is a very important time, obviously, in growing up that parents can really help their kids with, is coming into who has God created me to be and being okay with that and comfortable with that. On a second note, though, it wasn't until I really wrestled with my identity as I got older and then eventually you know, wrote the book over a number of years on identity that at that the Lord began to really work with me and say, you're not supposed to feel comfortable here. When I was trying to be something that I really wasn't. And this is not our home. This system is not the system God's created us. This Babylonian demonic system is not the system God created us to live in um, and so it's uncomfortable, and it should be uncomfortable, and not trying to find comfort in it. Does that make sense? And so with, with the identity and the ecclesia, and the ecclesia is what? It is a representative government. Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia, which is a governmental word. It wasn't a religious word. And I'm going to build my representative government, the, the government of the kingdom of heaven on earth. So it represents heaven on earth. Even the way Jesus taught us to pray. Pray this way, Father, that, the, the, that his kingdom come and his will is done. Where? On earth, 
like it is in heaven. That's a great way to explain that representative government of ecclesia. But we have to have a, a, a better, I believe, deeper understanding of the kingdom that we represent. And we don't only represent a kingdom by speaking. The number one way we represent a kingdom is by living according to that kingdom while we're here. Because we represent it by our actions, not just our words. Words are important, but our actions. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. And again, I think I mentioned or at least referenced this last week, the war that we are in is not a war against man against man. It is good against evil, two kingdoms clashing, and we have to be careful that people don't become our enemies. But it is the spirit that is functioning behind them and motivating them that is our real enemy. Because if people become our enemies, we'll end up, and that's what the enemy, our real enemy wants to do, is where men are just fighting against men while he's doing, he's stirring things up, and we're not going to accomplish really anything with that kind of mindset. And it's very easy in the natural to think it's the men. It's evil men. It's really the evil spirit behind the men. Okay? And so to keep that and, and, and to live according to kingdom, but understanding the kingdom, how it functions on earth, so we can live in it and better represent it with our life, our actions, and then also our words. Yes, Jay. Well, that, that's really up to the Lord and what he's leading us on an individual basis to do. But if we just have the man as a target, we're really missing what's actually happening. Because it's the influence. Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, we have... And that's why we have to see beyond that man to the spirit behind it. I mean, we have the scripture, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not our wrestle. That's not our fight is against the actual man. It's the spirit behind that man, that movement, that group. That's really. Well, sure. I mean, if somebody broke into my house and he's got a gun or whatever, just broke in. He's not going to leave walking. He's, he's not. It's just not going to happen because in the immediate, you know, context is there's a threat and I'm taking the threat out. But but was it the man or was it the spirit behind the man that caused that? It was the spirit behind the man. But it's too late because now the man's not breathing. 
Yep. Exactly. So uh, let me give two more examples of this, too. That was really good. Um, the way, and I, I talked about this not too awful long ago, but it's, it's God is the one that created government, okay? Natural government. When you read Romans 13, just a synopsis, the purpose of government from God's perspective or how he, he uh, organized it, and this is a very simple they reward the righteous and punish the wicked. Okay, so our U.S. government, the purpose of our U.S. government, it really only has one purpose. We thought, you know, mentioned this last week, and that is to protect and defend the rights of the citizens, the God-given rights. So my point being is, in this context of what we're fighting, civil government is created to function in the realm of the natural. You have a criminal, you arrest the criminal, you you know, go through the judicial system, and he goes to jail. That's all natural. The ecclesia functions in the spiritual. And when the two, the civil government and the ecclesia, when they understand their proper roles and function together, then we'll see major changes in society. Because what has happened is too many Christians want to Christianize civil government, and that's not the way God designed it. Let's just elect Christians. Let's get more Christians in there. Well, we had Jimmy Carter. How well did that work for us? Those of you who remember those days, he was a Sunday school teacher. Did it work well for us? Was it a great? No. It's, we're, we're not electing Sunday school teachers to, to president or Bible teachers or pastors. We're electing people that will protect and defend our God-given rights and will be strong enough and bold enough to stand up with all the pressure. That's what we're electing, number one. But the civil government deals with all of the natural aspects. The ecclesia deals in the spirit. We hear from what God is saying and we speak. That's all spiritual. Or we act 
It's a spiritually led. Now, what's really beautiful is when you mix the two. When you have prophetic, God-anointed men and women in civil government, like we had at least some of that in the founding of our nation, amazing things begin to happen. But we have to know our proper role as an ecclesia and the government, the kingdom, that we're representing. Okay? And it makes it a little awkward. It's one of the things that now that I'm involved in politics that I'm working out because being in both, you know, it's, it's just a little different, right, if you're not, not used to that. And so when, how many of you have ever dealt with, spoken directly to a demon-possessed person and you knew it? Yeah, and probably more of you did it and you just didn't know it. When you are dealing with a demon-possessed person and listening to God what you are to do, because you can't cast out a demon that the person wants. They have right and authority over their own body. They want it. They can keep it. Okay? It's also very important if we're dealing with a minor child that's sick or demon-possessed. Jesus never cast a demon out of a minor child or healed a minor child without permission from their parent. Okay? That is government. Because God started government in the family. As a family ecclesia. And he honors that authority and that authority structure. So it's these things. So when you, here's the way I relate it. Like, Jay, what I was, was talking about and seeing. When a demon, and this is more of a visual. When a demon possessed person is not themselves and the demon is talking, it's very evident then, right, the spirit behind the person. I'm, I'm not wrestling the person. I'm not fighting the person. It's that demon that is controlling the person now. You see what I'm saying? And that is what's happening on a global scale. Because many people that are really fighting and wanting this globalism, this one world government, and causing all of these things that are happening and bringing us under this authority, they are possessed and or highly influenced by the demonic, the domain of darkness. And what does God really want? He wants all men to, be, to come to a saving knowledge. And, and, and from my perspective, that's the best way you defeat your enemy is convert them to Christ. Amen. And praying, and this is difficult, but praying mercy and not just judgment all the time. Get them, God. Get them, God. But, the, but mercy, forgive them. Lord. What did Jesus do when he was on the cross in the most severe agonizing, physical, emotional, spiritual pain he could have. Forgive them, Lord, for they do not know what they're doing. Now, were they motivated by the kingdom of darkness? Yes, they were. But what was the prayer? Forgive them, Lord. That takes a lot, right, in certain situations, especially, you know, if you're you're there, put yourself on the cross with nails, bleeding, Back opened up, organ sticking out, crown of thorns. You're going to die any moment. Forgive them. That's mercy. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm sure some of them maybe maybe did. But it, but the point is, it's the mercy, it's God's perspective on things. It's not against man. I mean, if God was against man, He'd have wiped us all out. He did it once, you know. But it it He's for man, and we have to partner with the Lord and have more of His perspective because we're seated with Him in heavenly places. And, you know, all of everything that's going on is motivated by the devil, the demon, you know, Satan himself, because people we ha- we have the, the principle of law for operation is faith. So people either put faith and trust in the demonic. Now, they may not even know they are. Whatever is anti God is demonic. When they put their faith and their trust in. In him, then they're functioning for his purposes. But when believers put our faith and trust in God, we're functioning for his purposes. Is this making sense? I'm I'm trying to hit it from different angles to try to help. The Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was the, the globe's first attempt at one world government. They understood each other. They were in an agreement. They were in a unity. This is how powerful agreement and unity is even without God. Because God looked down and saw what they were doing and said, because they all have the same language, they're basically they're in agreement, they're in unity. And he said, God said, nothing shall be impossible because they were putting faith in something that was not God. But God came down and interrupted their plans. Okay, so what were these people doing? They were being motivated by a demonic evil agenda, just like what's happening today. Now. People are given, this is, this is up to God, people are given opportunity to repent and to change. And Jay mentioned this earlier. There are some times it gets to that spot, but only God knows that. I don't know that, that it's done. Don't pray for those people anymore. But he'll let us know how, if we're following him, listening to him, what we are to do, say, and how we are to pray. In the meantime, the prayer is mercy, forgiveness, repentance. And our focus is on Christ, like um, Sheila said, but understanding it is the demonic forces that are behind that are motivating people to do and to destroy, really, our nation and, and the globe. Enough on that. Is that questions or thoughts? So, for the sake of time, let me just jump into a couple things here with, um, as I'm speaking about Babylon and the Babylonian system, um, a great example of how to live victorious and successful within a Babylonian system is Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they were thrust into Babylon. They were fully engrossed in a Babylonian system. As a matter of fact, I wrote something down. The first thing, one of the first things Daniel said or it said about Daniel, he made up his mind he would not defile himself. That's the first thing. And then it says God granted him favor and compassion. In the midst of this system. So Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are great examples and as we are getting closer and closer to this demonic Babylonian rule, 
And my hope is, I don't know, but my hope is that there's enough of us now, we're going to put a stop and a delay to their plans. But we do know Scripture, at some point in world history, it is going to happen. Babylon's going to be rebuilt, and many things are in play now that are rolling very, very quickly for that, for that to happen. So, Ecclesia is the representative government of the kingdom of heaven on earth. We are a royal family dynasty. And the Ecclesia, the purpose is to represent and implement the will of the king of heaven on earth. Ecclesia is the legislative, there's a legislative branch as well as a judicial branch of, that, of the government. So, here are the three things, or three scriptures that I just wanted to highlight this morning from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Jesus says this, Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, did Jesus just tell us to do something that we cannot do? That's right. He's not going to tell us to do something that is absolutely impossible. However, it will be impossible in our own strength, in our own motivation, our own work. But with him, all things are possible. And if he tells us to be perfect, notice he didn't even say be perfect like I'm perfect. He said be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. What does that mean? Be complete. Be mature. Did somebody say without sin? Is that what? Without sin. Good stuff. First passage. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this is all in context of this one sermon. Matthew 6.33, the next chapter. Because you know Jesus, when he was preaching, he preached in chapters and verses, right? No. no. <laughs> That's why a little pet peeve of mine, pet peeve, is the frustration over where is it at? The the chapter and the verse. It wasn't written in chapter and verse. Don't worry about it. If it's in the Bible, it's true, right? Jesus spoke the scripture. He didn't say, oh, by the way, in Isaiah 66, verse 42. (laughs) Anyway. That was a little extra free nugget there. Uh, Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, he just got done talking about what? Our needs, clothes, food, shelter, all these things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That's exact opposite of what we're taught in humanity. Seek all these things. Get a good job. Provide all of these things. When Jesus said, no, you seek my kingdom first, and he'll lead and guide us in all those things. The job, the occupation, the place. But Jesus didn't say, seek second his kingdom. He didn't say, it would be a good idea, or I would suggest. 
This comes across as a command. Seek first. Not your own kingdom, but his kingdom. God's kingdom. John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom will be the message preached before the end of the age. When you talk about the kingdom, you're talking about a lot. It's a vast subject. But he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So, don't worry about tomorrow with the, what the globalists are doing. If, let, me, let me reword this to, to Joe speak. If you are seeking my kingdom and my righteousness, there'll be no worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Here's one of the reasons. The kingdom is so vast, it has endless resources. God uses money in his kingdom on earth, but he doesn't need it. What's that? <laughs> He's proved that to us. Specifically, my thought of the children of Israel in the wilderness, they had no Walmart to go buy stuff or no store along the way. Outpost is what I was thinking about. Like in the West, you know, you have these outposts. God provided. There's no limit to how God wants to provide and take care of us. Through regardless of what's happening so if we're seeking first his kingdom, and to seek first the kingdom, there's a king, because you don't have a kingdom without a king. And the word kingdom means domain of the king. So it's his domain. It is what the king is over. Seek that first and his righteousness. So what does this mean? To seek his righteousness, what does that mean? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. In another place, I believe it's in chapter 5, that Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and scribes. Is he preaching a works righteousness? It's a hard issue. Knowing who you are. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to us. What a great promise. Yes. Amen. Yes, that's good. Amen. Amen. Even in a Babylonian system. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> this has to be a priority, especially if we're going to function as an effective ecclesia. Because we're representing that kingdom. But if we don't understand that kingdom, if we're not pursuing it, if it's not a priority, how are we going to represent it? 
Because it's much more than gathering together and just prophesying and speaking. That's the easy part. It's living. It's going out into the marketplace and into the stores and into the neighborhood and into the school districts and being that light and being that salt and making stands when it's, it's not comfortable. It's not acceptable in some times. Last scripture that just stood out. Matthew 7.24. This is also in the Sermon of the Mount. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Again, he said this in context of this one sermon, but it wasn't exclusive, obviously. It's everything that he said, but in context of this one sermon that takes up three chapters. Everyone who hears these words of mine and then acts on them, that's, that's, the, that's the doing part, responds to what I'm saying implements what I'm saying. You are a wise man who is building his house on solid rock. Because the winds are going to blow and the rain is going to come down and it's going to slam against every house. Not just the ones that are on sand. Every house. But it's the houses that are built on the rock that are going to stand. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Romans 14, 7. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But let's not just focus on one or two of those things. How about all three of what Jesus said? The first thing he said was righteousness. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, I mean, there's part of that. Let's be honest, right? That's yeah, not just. Yeah. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. John 10.10, Jesus said, I came to give you life. And that life more abundantly. And that's a huge part of kingdom living on earth. And yes, even in dark times. The Sermon on the Mount lays out principles and values of the kingdom. Principles never change if they're true principles. They don't change. Methods do. Methods being how you apply a principle. But the principle itself never changes. What would you say is the core value 
of the kingdom on earth. Love. Obedience. Reconciliation. Truth. Forgiveness. Now, here's how I would define the core value or one core value of the kingdom. And it's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because a core value and also values are principles by which we live that will affect and determine everything else. Every decision, our words, and our actions. But sometimes you don't even know what the core value is that you might have. But it is a reason why you make decisions, choices, actions. Because a core value is like a motor, an engine that drives us. That's part of becoming Christ-like. It's having a values conversion. That we convert our values, what is important to us, to what is important to Him. And we can. We can have that values conversion. And the Sermon on the Mount lays out, matter of fact, it's interesting, the Sermon on the Mount doesn't have that greatest commandment in it. But it does have values. He lays out many values, what's really important. We'll look at some of those as the weeks I can't plan on right now, any kind of a sermon structure. <laughs> Just whatever kind of thing. But it, it is something I'm personally been focused on is that kingdom and that kingdom message. Before we go, is there anybody that needs prayer for your body? Sickness, disease, any bodily thing you would like prayer for? I love it. Everybody's healed whole, healthy, 100%. Don't even have a hangnail. Love it. That's awesome. Praise God. Oh, that's you with the hangnail? Oh, you're sleepy. What, are you one of the seven dwarfs now? I'm sleepy. <laughs> hey, love you guys. Bless you. Peace be with you.